0: You're listening to behind the note podcast brought to you by a musician for musicians here. You will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and
1: empower. Now here's your host, Chris Davis. Hello. Thank you for pressing play on this episode of behind the note podcast. This is number 62. That's right. We've done it 61 other times. And today is another great episode We are gonna talk about YouTube marketing and composing for hire. I know they seem like topics that don't have anything to do with each other, but that is what our guest specializes in. So today, we have someone who wants to teach everything he knows about making music. He wants to upload all of that knowledge onto the internet before his time is up here on earth. Today's guest is a Downbeat Magazine Award winner, three-time recipient of the ASCAP Young Jazz Composers Award. I'm happy to bring to you right now, Mr. Jeff Schneider. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Good to be here. Yes. So we want to get to know you first. And so I want to ask, what do you like to do for fun when you're not working on your music career? My music career is what I do for fun. I don't really
0: put too much uh, time towards anything else. Uh, I guess it's... um, you know, I I have my family, I like spending time with them, of course. And, uh, other than that, it's pretty much just work and family for me. Yeah.
1: A lot of people say that though, you're not the only one. And I think it's just a great thing that we found a career that we enjoy. So putting all of our time into it is really okay with us.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's a, that's a blessing and a curse in a way, because on the one hand, uh, you know, you're doing what you're, you love, and on the other hand, it's it's hard to stop working sometimes. So it uh, it's it's a tricky balance at times, but you know, it's a welcome challenge.
1: So you mentioned the family. What is that for you? Are you married with children or is it just you and your wife or
0: well um my wife and I are expecting, so it's gonna be a you know, a party of four soon, including our dogs. So that's uh, you know, it's a growing family, but we're starting small.
1: Right on. Congratulations on the addition. Thank you. And call now me the world if you, knows. yeah. And call me if you <laughs> need it. any pointers because I have two young ones too. <laughs> right Absolutely. on. Sure. So, how do you earn a living as a musician? Because there's so many ways to do it now. What do you do? Yeah, and you know that's uh, that's kind of the answer
0: there, Uh in, in many different ways. I, um, you know, I'm I'm generating income through teaching. I do a lot of Skype lessons. Um, I do composing for commercial projects and. Some uh, some not com- non-commercial projects. Um, you know, creating I like to create guides and courses for my students and for those I'm not teaching privately. So it's definitely a combination of a lot of different things. and then you know I get to uh, make a little bit of money with YouTube advertising and things like that. So you know as my um, I think you, you may have found me through my YouTube channel and that's that's growing pretty steadily. So as that continues to grow, You know, some of the the ad revenue uh, increases there as well.
1: Wow, that's that's good. I did find you on YouTube and great videos, by the way. Thank you. Very engaging and great lessons. And uh, you approach you approach it uh, in a way that people really come to understand. We can pause and and look at the sheet, uh, the, the sheet music you provide right there in the video and practice with it. So uh, I like what you're doing with that. I want to come back to YouTube uh, in, in a little bit. Sure. But um, you, but you're you're also a ASCAP award winning composer. So uh, real real briefly, tell us how that came about, and if that has helped your career in any way. Yeah, for sure. So my ASCAP awards are within
0: the. Um, the jazz, I think, what do they call them? The, uh, the young jazz composer awards. And that's something that I had been applying to for the last, uh, off and on for the last 15 years or so. And, you know, over the years I've, uh, been able to get three of those awards, which has been great. It's a, you know, it's a great crowd to be in and you can make a lot of good connections that way. And it's led to some, some other opportunities as well. Um, you know, in words, awards in general, I think they're, they're nice for the resume, but uh, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm not sure how much they, they matter in terms of getting the next gig. You know, at the, uh, at the end of the day, you need to have a good, uh, good product and good music if that's what you're doing. Um, but those ASCAP awards were, were a lot of fun. And the music that I had submitted to get them, I, I was really proud of. And, you know, it's a good, it's a good goal to work towards. It's a, it's a good reason to actually finish a project and, and have a deadline to, to submit it. That's always valuable.
1: Yes, it is. So as far as the awards go in general... Uh, One thing I I like about awards, and we don't need this, but I think it helps, is that they qualify you to a a point. Some people might need to see that. Uh, So others, it doesn't matter. Like for me, I have an eye. I can can watch and see, oh, this guy is teaching some quality work here. Let me pay attention to what he's saying. Others might need to see, oh, this guy's won so many awards. Let me see what he's saying. So for some people- Mm -hmm. For some people, they need they need that. But I think that it's good um, that whenever somebody acknowledges your good work. So, uh, congratulations on on those ASCAP awards, to you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So okay. So you mentioned a few things. So many good things. Let's start with YouTube, since that's the way I I came to know you. Uh, first of all, you say that one of your goals or missions. I don't I don't know how you view it. Is to teach everything you know about making music. Uh, can you tell us why or where that, where that started? <laughs> well, you know, I think it I think it has to do with a couple of things. One,
0: and this is not to I don't you know want to be uh, be too self inflating here, but I think I do. I think I teach pretty well, and I think about concepts in a way that that uh, is is easy for others to understand. So I, I really want to take advantage of of, of that, that ability to, to teach others. So that's, that's one part. And the other part is, I think a lot, especially for jazz, and you know, I know a lot of your listeners are jazz musicians and so much of, of jazz music is, and the, the education behind it, I think is, is not really, is not really the best, the best way to go about learning that type of music, um, or any music for that matter. So there are a lot of misconceptions within the jazz education system that's been you know, kind of built up over the past 30 or 40 years or so, maybe not even that long. It's still a pretty young, um, you know, back in the day, people were just learning jazz from playing along with records and hanging out with other musicians. And now it's kind of a, a much more academic, um, system. So, you know, I definitely fit into there, you know, in some way, but I try to, you know, make sure that at least my point of view with the teaching is being communicated with all the people out there that are interested in listening. Um, so I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's it's my ability to teach and also that I think there's a lot of misinformation out there that I'm hoping to to clear up and just make jazz a little bit more easy to understand and advanced music for that matter.
1: Oh, that's very good. And I agree with you. I have a uh, jazz studies degree and <laughs> I'm not really sure what that's worth. Um, but I did learn, I did learn it. But really, I think the the value was in the relationships that I made in college. And uh, Absolutely. I think that it was probably him. the most valuable thing. So,
0: yeah, you know, when I was in school and, you know, this is all my statements before was not sort of that's a generalization about jazz education. You know, when I, I got to go to some very, very fine institutions like New England Conservatory of Music and, you know, all of the teachers there are just um, you know, top notch. So definitely learned a lot of great stuff from them. But just as you said, you know, when I was in school, I was listening or I was living with uh, four other guys and they were all top notch musicians. And you know, I probably learned more from them than, than uh, from them than anyone else. So that's i uh, I'm definitely grateful for for both that formal and informal experience.
1: So I want to ask you about uh, Skype lessons. Uh, how do you go about Uh, Getting students because that's a that's something that people need to do. And I'm wondering how YouTube plays a role in that if at all
0: I think YouTube plays the uh, plays a number one role there, you know when I Started I've been teaching for a really long time and up until about uh, two years ago or so I was teaching all in-person lessons, you know to uh, to younger kids uh, You know some beginning students things like that Um, but all in person no never online and, you know, I was commuting out of the city You know, i I was living in, uh, in New York city at the time and I was commuting out of the city into some of the suburbs and, you know, the kids were great and working with the families was, was, uh, always a pleasure, but, you know, having to commute out like that, you spent a lot of time on the train, a lot of time getting from one student to the next. It wasn't, you know, the most efficient use of time that, and I wasn't teaching, um, Some at some of the levels that I would have liked to teach, you know, like some more intermediate and advanced students, especially those who are interested in jazz. So, you know, when I started posting videos on YouTube, you know, my goal was really not only to share what I know, but also to hopefully get some some students who might be interested in in digging in a little bit deeper. You know, you can only cover so much in a YouTube video and. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I talk about is, you know, may not be valuable to some, you know, it's sometimes better for a, uh, for a student not to see something and to kind of be guided through one lesson to the next so that they're, they're getting the information that's right for them at that right time. Uh, but yeah, YouTube is definitely the number one source of all my students. I mean, it's, it's a global, uh, it's a global audience. I post one video and then everybody around the world see, not everybody obviously, but people all around the world see it. And, um, you know, I always offer my, um, sort of my call to action of, you know, you're welcome to inquire about
1: lessons, and uh, it just goes from there. So I was going to ask you about that. Can you kind of walk us through your process of someone reaching out to you saying, hey, I'm interested uh, in lessons to actually becoming uh, their teacher officially? Yeah, well, you know, when when somebody reaches
0: out to me, you know, it's uh, usually in regards to a video they saw. So, you know, we might have a little bit of a back and forth over email about um, scheduling and what their goals are and rates and and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I try to make it as customized as possible going from one student to the next because everybody's in a different situation. Um, And I just want to make sure I'm addressing the the topics that those are, uh, you know, those students are interested in. So it's, um, it's, it's mostly over email and, you know, that can get, get a lot to, to manage. So I try to, you know, use email plugins to, to help me out. Like, um, for instance, there's this great um, little plugin in Gmail. I think it's called like canned responses. And, you know, it's a great way of having sort of a, a pre-made email that you've already composed. And then you can customize it the way you think uh, would be best for that student. And it just saves time because, you know, at this point I'm getting many, many emails and it's just, it's a waste of time to write the same email over and over again. So I, I use those canned responses and then, um, you know, customize them, customize them for, uh, for the student I'm writing to.
1: Now I want to let you know, and not only you, but the, everybody who's listening to this right now, there's something that I recently started using and you and I used it for this appointment, which is Acuity Scheduling. Were you already hip to that? Uh, no, but I
0: was actually, you know, I've been looking for a scheduling uh, plugin or you know, some sort of software like that. And when I was doing some research, that name popped up. So I definitely have to look into that a little bit more because, you know, as you know, scheduling is, is a, um, it can be a challenge. And if you can make it easier, then that's something I'm definitely on board with.
1: Real quick, one thing I like about it, and no, they're not a sponsor of the show, but it's good work. Um, The time zone automatically adapts to whoever's scheduling. So you never have to worry about converting time zones. And secondly, if you choose, you can set up your payment processor directly through them. And so your student, for example, can can book a lesson and pay you right there. So that just takes away some steps. You can set that up one time and you're good to go. So
0: Yeah, I'm, that's a great tip. I, yeah. uh, I definitely have to look into that more.
1: So what are some challenges that you discovered that may be exclusive to Skype versus teaching in person?
0: There's only one real challenge and that's, you can't play at the same time over Skype. Like if you wanted to you know, there's always like a half second delay. So for instance, if you are in an in-person lesson, you know, I can play something along with the student, we can be in sync at the same time, you know, over over Skype, you have that half second delay. So that's the only thing that is the, uh, that's the only real limitation there. I think having this, the lessons over Skype, it's, uh, it's actually great. There's so many advantages. I don't know if that was your next question, but um, the, uh, the advantages to, working over Skype, you can share files, you can share screens. So I can be, you know, putting something up on, uh, you know, some music notation software and then take a screenshot of it or just have a a good back and forth, taking advantage of all those, uh, those, those, those tech options.
1: But in terms of the disadvantages, yeah, it's just that delay. Do your students have to have a certain quality of a microphone or is the computer or phone tablet they're using good enough?
0: Um, you know, it's always better to have a good microphone, but to tell you the truth, the thing that is the most important is the, is the internet connection, you know, a, uh, a connection that is, is going in and out and it's not that strong. That can, that can be the, the biggest hang up. I've, you know, I've done lessons with people just using their, uh, their cell phones as their, their microphones and it works fine. I mean, I, I try to provide Provide the best experience on my end, so I have, you know, my own web, uh, like uh, you know, third-party webcam and a USB microphone. So I I try to to make it as good for them as I can. But you know, for what I'm hearing from them, I can pretty much tell what I need to know from whatever system they have.
1: All right, we're going to transition into the composing part of of your career. So you've had the privilege of working with some really interesting clients, including CNN, Google, NASA, and a, a whole lot of others. So I wanted to ask first, how do you, how did you work your way into those positions? And secondly, talk about how you negotiate contracts with them. Because if I was contacted by them, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Hmm. (laughs) You know, how does that work out? Um, Well, let's see, Uh, to start
0: getting, getting those kinds of jobs, it's kind of like anything else. You have to, you have to make the right connections and you have to obviously have a good product and a good portfolio. There's, you know, so many things about being a musician is just like being any kind of a business owner. You have to know a little bit about sales and a little bit about marketing and product development and just be good at all of those different things because you're kind of on your own when you're a musician. You don't really have a, a marketing department or a sales team. So that's a that's a little bit of a challenge there. Um, in terms of uh, contracts and things like that, you know, I uh, that was definitely a, a learning process. I'm still learning about that. Um, as, um, you know, the jobs I work on get bigger and bigger. So, you know, to start, I think it's really good to, to make sure you have some sort of a contract, like, um, you know, a statement of work or a scope of work just to, to have it all, have everything that you're expected to provide and receive be laid out ahead of time. So, you know, if something goes wrong with the job, you don't have, you're not, you know, left with, uh, no, no check after doing X number of hours of work. So, you don't want to be caught in that situation, which has said I've had a couple of close calls, but thanks to some good documentation, I've been able to avoid any uh, real sour situations.
1: So, what are some examples of some things that the client is looking for? What are they expecting of you? Well,
0: that really varies from client to client. You know, one of the advantages of being um, a solo uh, musician and you get to work directly with the client and not, you don't have like a producer. Um, at least, you know, I know a lot of music houses out there, they have the producer and then they have the composer. So you don't always have the composer directly talking to the client you have sort of that middleman. Um, so I'm usually talking with an editor or a director or producer on the, uh, the creative end or the client end. And it, it, like I said, it it really does vary. You know, it's, um, it, it varies from project to project. The genres are always different. Sometimes you're given, uh, what's called a temp score which is some music that they've already selected that they want you to kind of, uh, write something along the same, along the lines of, uh, sometimes they just say, you know, whatever you, whatever you think. And that's a, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of freedom there, which can, again, that could be a blessing and a curse too. Um, because if, if you have no idea what they're looking for, then you kind of, uh, you're stuck twiddling your thumbs for a while. And then, you know, one of the things that I always find is the scariest is when you send your first take to them because you have no idea what they're going to say. But once you get past that, that first, uh, that first pass, you really have something you can work from and you can have a good back and forth. Um, I think one of the most important things to keep in mind is to just be open to comments and criticism. You know, the, the people that I'm working with generally for those kinds of jobs, they're not necessarily musicians or, or know that much about music. Um, so you can't expect them to talk to you in musical terms. And I actually prefer it if the clients don't talk to me in musical terms, because that can often get confusing because they'll say something thinking it's something else and I'll interpret it incorrectly. So, you know, talking about music is a different, a difficult thing, but that's a, that's an acquired skill as well. That's really important for working on those types of jobs.
1: So for the people who are interested in getting into this type of work, I want to get a little more specific for them so that they can be helped, hopefully. So will you tell us about your your first experience, for example? Tell us about how you were found or how you found the client, whichever way it was, and what they were asking of you.
0: Yeah, well, I started out by basically asking everyone I know, uh, Everyone I knew if they knew anyone that is involved in in the industry of uh, you know film or production or anything like that. And yeah, I ended up hooking up with a uh, a producer that didn't really need a composer, but needed some other work done for them. So I basically was a uh, an intern at, uh, you know, for this, for this producer. And when he needed music, he would ask me to do music and, you know, it wouldn't pay as much as the, uh, you know, a normal, a normal rate would be, but just, uh, like, like anything else, sometimes you have to start out doing things for, for free or for less money than you might get paid later on. And that's okay. Because like I said, you have to build a portfolio portfolio and get some, some work under your belt, not only to show other clients, but just so you can improve your skills. Like when I started out writing, uh, for the, for commercial music and for music for film, I don't think it, I was pretty. I think I was pretty bad listening back, but you know, do it again and again, and you, you improve over time. So it's uh, it's a process, just like anything else.
1: And do you remember what they were asking of you on that particular job? I think it might have been a
0: jazz track. Actually, it was just a um, they needed some some background jazz music, and that's what kind of my background. So it it worked out well. Um, you know, later on, some of the some of the projects after that. You know, the genre started to vary a little bit. It would be like, you know, this scene needs to sound kind of like this, that scene needs to sound like that. And it, it really varies. Again, the, the temp tracks are 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 popular. You always, you always see those temp tracks. They're like, we want it to sound like this song or that song. And uh, it can get a little bit tricky there because you don't want it to sound too much like it or else you can run into some copyright issues. But at the same time, you want them to, to feel like it's capturing the essence of whatever it is that they, uh, they picked out.
1: Now I want to change gears again and really talk about YouTube. How long have you been at it, first of all?
0: Oh, man. Um, you know, I can probably look it up, look at my first video. I think uh, maybe three or four years ago. I didn't start posting regularly until about two years ago.
1: Why, why did you make videos in the, in the beginning? Why did you start and then, why did you choose to post regularly a year or so later?
0: When I was learning to to play well, not so much when I was learning to play, but when I was learning one of my other hobbies is is photography actually. and I basically learned everything about photography from photography from YouTube. Anything that I ever need to learn, I just look it up on YouTube and I'm able to you know there's so many people out there offering information that you can pretty i think you can learn just about anything on YouTube except for maybe. Uh, and I probably wouldn't learn how to do surgery, but, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely, um, you know, things like photography or graphic design or, you know, how to use uh, certain software. There's just so much out there and, you know, there were already people doing music, uh, tutorials and, you know, jazz, but I didn't think, you know, there were, there was that much going on and the stuff that was out there, I didn't think was very good. So I felt like there was a, um, some space there in the market and you know, I, I knew that I love to teach and I knew how to make videos. So I, uh, I just kind of jumped in there modeling my channel off of channels that aren't even music related. Like some of the photography channels that I would watch be like, yeah, they're making courses, they're making videos, they're teaching people how to do, uh, you know, learn the craft and they're, they're teaching it in a way that's entertaining and engaging. So I was like, you know what? I can do that on uh, I can do that for jazz and saxophone and piano.
1: One thing I like that you just said is that you model your channel off of other channels that were not even related to music. That's a very wise thing to do. So Yeah. I mean,
0: <laughs> I think I kind of alluded to this before, but um, you know, musicians aren't generally the best business people. Um, and that's why I think you have a lot of musicians out there who are struggling. Um, you know, it takes a lot to be a good musician. You know, just learning that, that craft takes a lot of time and I, you know, I've definitely put my hours in there. Um, but there's not a lot of, you know, if there's one thing, and I haven't talked about this too much in my videos, but if there's one thing that the, the education for, you know, the jazz education system is missing, it's edu- it's teaching musicians what to do, you know, after school, you know, what to do to get more jobs, basically what you're doing right now, which is, you know, why your podcast is so great because you're, you're giving that instruction. You're, you're, uh, you're sharing that information about how to actually make a living doing this. Um, and so I looked elsewhere. I wasn't looking at jazz videos or musicians' videos. I was looking at videos of, uh, you know, in, in this case, photography. Um, some people who had built really strong businesses through a, um, a photography YouTube channel. The essence is the same as, as what I'm doing. It's just a different, uh, different topic.
1: So I wanted to ask you this. Do you find that giveaways help build your email list? And like the giveaways, I I watched a video where you were giving away uh, a lead sheet of some type of whatever you were teaching that lesson. Do you find that helps to build your email list?
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, that's always a great way to get people to, you know, it's, it's like you're, you're essentially selling something, but instead of them, instead of uh, the user contributing, you know, something of monetary value, they're giving you your email address. So it's still a transaction in a way, but, um, you're just getting a different kind of, of, um, value from it. I don't do that much with an email list at this time. You know, I have, uh, I have a, a growing list, but, to tell you the truth, I don't send any emails. Um, That's going to change at some point, I'm sure. But uh, just in terms of what kind of time I have right now, I haven't put the uh, the email list priority at the top.
1: And I I am also guilty of that. So right now, I apologize to everybody listening. (laughs) (laughs) But if you like what you hear, please go ahead to BehindTheNote.com and sign up for the email list because there will be something good. I'm just have to take time and and make some more good things available to you. So, one thing I noticed, Jeff, is you're you're playing some piano, you're playing some saxophone, and you're a really good player at both. But I wanted to ask how the keyboard playing. How do you get your keyboard to show on that screen? That's really incredible and very helpful.
0: Uh yeah, it's actually um it's an app called what's it called? Synthesia or Synthesia. I think it's spelled S Y N T H E S I A. I think I just have the free version. I basically go into settings and you know it's it's like you, you see your keyboard listed there and I just kind of play and it shows up. It's been working really well for me. The only you know I know there's some others. There's some other software out there that does that that might show the chords or the the notes on the the keys. Um, and a lot of a lot of the chords that I'm playing are are pretty complex, so I want to make sure I have control control of uh, what gets displayed. But having those keys light up, it's great. I use it for teaching as well. When I'm sharing my screen on Skype, it's it's really really helpful.
1: Okay, so this is kind of interesting, and I've never used it. So uh, let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> All right, so you, you record your videos. I'm I'm guessing on an independent camera, and and are you then loading it up to your computer? Is that the way you do it? Well, it depends on the video that I'm making. If I'm
0: doing something with the keyboard, with those uh, keys lighting up, I use a a, a program called ScreenFlow.
1: Okay, gotcha. Okay. All right. So while you're recording in ScreenFlow, uh, the the keyboard app Synthesia also is showing on your screen. So then you Mm -hmm. can record your screen because everything's there. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, and just uh, so everybody knows ScreenFlow is, it's a screen capture and basically it's recording what's ever on your screen and then it, it turns it into a movie and you can edit it just like you'd edit any other video file.
1: All right. That's really cool. All right. We're going to check those things out and I'll have to link ScreenFlow and Synthesia in the show notes so you guys don't have to do any extra research on yourself. All right. So man, that's awesome. So I want to ask you, Uh, just one or two more questions. What are, what are some of the habits that contribute to your success? Why why are you successful? What is it about you, your habits that makes it that way?
0: Um, well, I'm pretty obsessive to begin, which is kind of why and how I got to where I am in terms of, you know, playing and and composing. Like I, uh, I spent a lot of time working on saxophone and, and composing and, and playing piano. Um, so I kind of got a lot of that work done from an early age you know I, there are, I have a lot of friends who who are really really you know quote unquote talented and they um, they've definitely put their time in too, but you know I know some people pick certain things up quicker than others um, you know one of the reasons I think i I teach pretty well is because I don't necessarily pick things up that quickly and I really have to dissect and analyze you know what makes it work um, so being obsessive and and working really hard. That's, uh, that's important. Uh, in terms of, you know, really real detailed things like I try to wake up pretty early and get a lot of work done before, you know, the rest of the world does. So I'm usually working by six in the morning. I'm trying to make that five <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens once I have that baby. Oh, um, you'll be up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. you know, it's, it's, it's not like uh it's not a, an easy thing to, to create a lot of content and manage a business. And continue to improve on your own craft. Um, I won't lie; you know, it's it's a lot of self discipline, and I'm not always, you know, winning in that area. But it's uh, it's something I'm always trying to come back to, and and just make sure I'm I'm staying on track with you know whatever my my um, my goals and aspirations are. So you know, I, there's a lot of really good literature out there, and and YouTube videos for that matter on on how to how to run a business and how to stick to your goals and be disciplined. Um, it's not, uh, it's not easy, but I, if there's one thing, it's going to bed early. I mean, that's, that's it. Like I'm a night owl. So I have to really force myself to go to bed early so that I can wake up and do work in the morning. It's, um, that's the most important thing. If you don't have a good night's sleep, you're going to have a crappy day. That's uh, at least for me, I, I, I'll fall asleep playing piano if I don't get enough hours of sleep.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, you mentioned something I want to ask about also the content creation. How do you choose what to create and and when to post it? A, a lot of uh, people email
0: me with questions, so that kind of gives me an idea of what people are looking for. Uh, so I have sort of this running list of topics that I know people out there are interested in. And then, you know, a lot of it is just me making music and kind of explaining what, what it is that I'm doing. Um, you know, at times it's scheduled uh, and at times it's, it's random. Like right now it's a little bit more random than I would like. Um, you know, I've tried to do every day posting for, uh, for some time and that's really, it's really tough, but that's definitely my, my ultimate goal is to be able to, to pump out one video every day. That might be a little bit, that might be asking for too, uh, of too much for myself. But, um, you know, I think, uh, consistency is really important. Unfortunately, my channel doesn't really back that up right now. But, uh, you know, again, that's one of my goals just to be as consistent as possible so that people know when the next video is coming out or uh, whatever kind of content I'm, I'm producing.
1: Jeff, you've been great. Thanks for sharing with us
0: today. Thanks for having me, Chris. This has uh, been a real pleasure talking with you.
1: And that's our talk with Jeff Schneider today. Thank you one more time, Jeff, for joining us in the show. I know you're probably listening to this episode. And I want to just say one more thing. I, I usually do a recap at the end. And today I want to point this out. It's very important that you are good at what you do. So in Jeff's case, for example, he's a great musician. If you ever watch his videos on YouTube, he's great at playing the piano. He's also great at playing the saxophone. But the third thing that, that uh, can't be overlooked is that he's... Also great at communicating. He's good. He's great at teaching. So you have to be good with your words. You have to be able to describe what people need to hear as quickly as possible, in a way that pierces, in a way that touches them, and that is what makes them attracted to you. That's why they want to come back for more. That's all. So that's all for today. Uh, BehindtheNote.com, all that cool stuff we're talking about, all the software. You'll find it, the links on the page, com slash number 62 for episode 62. Also, next episode, do not miss it. Trust me. We're going to have Rick Barker on the show, who was Taylor Swift's first manager. I mean somewhat responsible for her success. Alright, that's all for today. God bless you.